everybody. Welcome back to the Jesse Nyberg podcast. Today I have on Jen and Amy from Hoodspa Design, talented pair of sister designers, and really excited to chat with them. How are you? Good. good. How are you? Pretty good. Uh, middle of the week, kind of getting into the swing of things. Just right, surviving. Midday oh, yeah. hump. <laughs> what have you guys Jesse, been doing? Jesse, I want to know. Oh, first question I want to know is from you. And I want to know, how do you keep it so chill? Because I need some of that. I'm so high strung. <laughs> and I feel like you could be narrating cal- the Calm app. Oh, that's <laughs> you <good>. seem so calm. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, it's kind of like my the way my body processes like fight or flight and like adrenaline. It's like, all right, I need to get this done. And then when I'm done, I'm like, oh, was that good? I don't know what's going on. And I'm just freaking out. Like, <laughs> right. But I could keep it together for like, I think after like two hours, I start to really, sh- my just normal self will shut spiral. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But thank you. Hilarious. I appreciate that. That's a good um, thing to be for listening to someone's voice. It's better than annoying people. Yeah. You seem so cool under pressure. Like I could see like whether it's rightly or wrongly, you're you're projecting like I got this vibes. All right, that's good because <laughs> usually I don't think I have it. So I'm glad to hear that. One thing you do have is your background light setup is on on point. <laughs> I I Google and YouTube so much of that stuff, and I just gave up because I am just not inclined that way. So you you nailed it. Oh yeah, the the one thing though I've yet to figure out, and it seems like most uh, glasses wearers have yet to figure out, is when you look up and you have All this right. like. Yeah. crazy thing coming off the light i don't know how to fix it I but the thing it's... that's even worse is in movies when they airbrush the whole lens just to get rid of that but then it looks completely fake it's just a big like gaussian blur on the, <laughs> on the, yeah. the sunglasses and you're like well that's really not real so it's now like you they're really... in an anime or something and only when they look <laughs> yeah, down you can totally see their right. eyes or what like a new you... girl when they just didn't give her any lenses. I'm like, I don't like that they're like treating us like fools. Yeah. <laughs> we as audience members deserve more. We deserve more respect. Yeah, I guess they could have, uh, for new girl, they could have said like, oh, she's just a hipster. You know, that's why she's even new. <laughs> Honestly, it fits. There was it tracks. Whole, there was that whole era in like 2010, 20, 2008, when everyone was wearing fake glasses with no mm-hmm. lenses. And I'm like, you people, we're all going to be ashamed of this in 10 years. Yeah, big glasses so and real. snapbacks and stuff. And just yeah. like, Oh my gosh. That's like the LMFAO, I feel like, type of. Oh gosh, that's so embarrassing. (laughs) What what kind of stuff have you two been up to this week with work and whatnot? Oh Oh, man. Yeah, well, we launched a font last week, which was like super exciting and is always just like such a stress relief when it's out and into the world. And you're like, okay, I've done what I can. Now it's up to you all to use it well. Yeah. So we released that. It's called Chapman Ave and it's this kind of like chrome dimensional layered font, which is really fun. I've never tried anything like that. Yeah. And um, it's crazy because like in a regular font, it's hard enough to current everything, make sure everything looks great. Mm -hmm. This thing has, it has like four to five layers and you have to make sure every single file is exactly the same kerning and spacing. If you do one Mm -hmm things slightly off it's all like it's all yeah because it so has like the um like the 3d right where it's yeah exactly yeah yeah it's probably so. a disaster i know uh i talked when i talked with uh sam and they do like the current club stuff oh right he has yeah the, the other guy i forgot his name that works on him justin yeah with the fonts he does all the kerning and he says he spends like 24 hours on it sometimes wait this is breaking news he makes dustin do all the kerning i think that's what he's told me i don't <laughs> Dustin gets the shit work. Dustin. 
And San Bernardini has all the fun. I love, I love those guys. They're so nice. At least I love it's everything like they put out. Usually that kind I of know. Helps. They're so right. smart. Oh, they they're are so smart. smart. Why are we doing full Why? character sets? Why? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's harder to do kerning and all that stuff on like the fonts that are just more like, uh, I guess like for lack of a better word, basic, like just like a sans serif or something. It's it like is you weird. actually yeah. have to go in and make sure everything's perfect. Right. I know. The best kind of font to start with would be something that's not supposed to look perfect. It's supposed to be a little quirky and wonky because it's very forgiving. But yeah, the sans and like really nice serifs, like they, they're definitely... I find that easier. The hardest thing you could do is a script because everything has to perfectly mm. loop in lead the into another thing. thing. Yeah, that's Ooh, true. it's a nightmare. Also, it's that's just like, true. it feels like everything's been done before. Yeah. So it, figuring out what yeah. you want to like invest your time in that's been a hard one for fonts and stuff that i like that i think is interesting and new is quirky i know that most people won't want to buy people do need another sans serif that's not just using right. like you know ariel and helvetic i don't yeah. think anyone's using, no one's using ariel, ariel. <laughs> but you know how um the land boys brought they used hobo on the Stumptown rebrand and i'm just mm-hmm. like we got to bring some of these old fonts that got ruined by being included on all like you know windows programs and stuff like times yeah. and if ariel. we could bring Myriad, myriad. If we could make Myriad cool, like we would be. I, I think I'm just bad at. Is it that the one that is Myriad, the one that's just the illustrator, like Sta- default? Yeah, they're just like the standard. It's like I just hate it because yeah, I yeah, always have default. to look at it before I change it, and it's just yeah. there. Like it's right. like a virus, you know, it's just always coming yeah. back. <laughs> right, it's just taunting you. But it is funny. Our best-selling font is the one that we would think is like the least. I don't know. There's the least exciting. Exci- yeah. Even though it's, it's really nice. It? It's Santa Ana Sands. Oh, that one. And it's because everybody wants a different sans serif to use. Yeah. Like they're tired of yeah. using whatever they're using. I mean, people you know, just so. want, uh, they want like a font that's basically Helvetica. So they could say it's not though. Really. Like, <laughs> yeah, right, right. right. <laughs> so they can tell their client I didn't use Helvetica. Right, right. Right. Oh man. Have you seen the, um, I forgot what it's called, but it's like this company that does, uh, where you rent like studio space, like for recording music and stuff. <laughs> It's like pirate oh, for, or something. They okay, use Ariel, their logo and their branding is all Ariel and it's all stretched, like super tall. Right. Oh, and it's pretty dope, honestly. It is it looks dope. Cool. It, everything is like under, everything's like unbranding now. Everything's like it's brutalist. Like, yeah, yeah. Or like undesigned. It's almost like the uglier it is, like the more you're defying the rules and just giving the big middle finger to like, oh, designers, brand new. You think you're, you know, like, yeah. which I find really fascinating. I'm like, cool. So like we can do whatever we want now, you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I saw they had an article about it and. If a little bit, it felt like a reach a little when people are really trying to like pack the methodology in there, but they were like, our yeah. studios are open to everyone and Ariel is a font anyone could have. So like, right. we used to oh my gosh. And I was like, oh, that's You're like, good, and like, even save. better, we don't have to pay for licensing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really? Because exactly. it's included standard with oh any. Oh my gosh, that's so yeah. funny. Do you it both is um, funny. do the fonts like, uh, or is it one of you that does most of the type design? Amy started it and then she showed me how. Um, and now we're doing a brand font for SeatGeek, which was one of our bigger uh, brand mm. projects we've ever done. It's pretty much like ticket Ticketmaster and then another person and then SeatGeek as far as like the big three ticketing groups. Oh, okay. So that was really, and when they said, let's do a brand font, I was like, oh, dreams do come true, you know, <laughs> because that's what, you, you know, I don't know. You always kind of hope for that because yeah. then you're getting paid up front, you know, to do something mm-hmm. that takes a lot of time. Right. You know, with most fonts, you're just hoping that people will buy them at the tail end, yeah. right. which is always a calculated risk. So. What was kind of the inspiration for you two to start doing that? Because obviously you've been designing for a while and you started the studio and everything but did you always plan on coming out with typefaces and stuff you know it's funny because when i think back like when we were in elementary school like we always used our 
artistic talent as like social currency. So like I was always the girl in class, even though I was a total nerd with like braces, pigtails every day. My mom dressed us till we were in sixth grade, like real bad. And she and she made us dress the same as twins in different colors. It was horrifying, horrifying. And uh, but the kids would still come to my desk and be like, Amy, will you write my name tag? Because at the beginning of the year, you got to write Uh, your little name tag that went on your desk. And so I'd like do like bubble letters and do the drop shadows. And like it was the one thing that like got me into like a social group. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was a social climbing ticket. Yes. (laughs) And so it's funny, though, because it's like I was doing lettering all the way back then, which makes me laugh because it's like everyone doodles. We all do the doodle Mm -hmm. thing. But I was like, man, I was I was doing those letter forms like way back when. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and I think a lot of um, people who do logos and branding, like um, after you kind of use typefaces and get used to that, then you start customizing the typefaces Mm -hmm. after you outline them, of course. Then you start doing your own lettering and then you're thinking, yeah, I guess I'm just like one step away from doing the full font. Especially if it's like Uh, a super long like word mark or something. You're like, I got like eight letters right here. Right. That's, and that is a trick. That is, Jesse, that's where you get stuck in the black hole of designing a font. As you say, I've already got eight letters. How much more could it be? It seems so easy. It's not. It takes forever. I actually kept track of my time this time and I was like shocked and horrified at all the time mm. that it takes because it luckily it's fun like if you enjoy doing it it's right. like it kind of mm-hmm. flies but um but yeah that's how you that's how it always starts it's like you have eight cool letters that the client didn't use and everyone on instagram is like oh they should have used this and you're like okay people like it yeah. i like it it could live on <laughs> yeah i feel like I've, I've i've never gotten far enough to be like all right i'm gonna design a font but i've gotten into maybe making like 20 characters and there's like a few like on an R for some reason is like hard for me R and B mm-hmm. like I don't like tr- I try to get them to look the same but they're not because the one has the right. two legs and then every time I get to those two I'm just kind of like ah, maybe I shouldn't be making fonts right now <laughs> right. every time I get to the S I'm like is it worth it is it worth it <laughs> what am I doing with my yeah, life I'm like how are we supposed to do this Ugh. it's funny you're talking the- about being like uh like you were the kid that would draw people's tags and that made you like have your like clout in school or whatever. I remember that being the kid that had the like big crayons with the sharpener thing on the back. And oh would come my to God. their desk the and be like, Can I borrow that? Yeah. Yeah, That's with hilarious. the built in. Wow, that was like some, that was a power move right there. Yeah. That's yeah, that so was funny. Like, uh, the original like just followers you know however however many crayons you had was how cool (laughs) you were in elementary school that and gum like having gum in elementary school it was like dang yeah like it was just so advanced (laughs) when you open the gum and everyone's like just looking over you know like yo (laughs) yeah and it's like before you had to like you had to convince your parents that you needed a whole pack of gum you know what i mean like i don't know it's just yeah it's a lot lot going on there it's basically money there so yeah yeah right i get it (laughs) Um, I was curious uh, what's kind of, I guess, back to something more design related. I was wondering what's the process kind of for you two. I know you have a few other people at the studio, but what's kind of the process between you two when you start with a client? Like who kind of begins to tackle what? Um, It kind of just depends on who has the time and then who shows the most interest. We kind of divide it up by like, okay, if someone's really interested in it and they want Mm -hmm. to, or if it kind of came because someone liked something that one of us specifically did, Mm -hmm. then we'll usually, you know, decide it that way. But we also have like, we also have our strengths. Like Jen is the best when it comes to like messaging and brand and um, 
brand voice and that kind of thing. Okay. So if they need any kind of copy, I'm like, Jen, you got to get in here. Same with web. Jen does most of our like web design stuff. So if it's either of those two categories, automatically I'm like, Jen, you'll have to spearhead this. And then I can like jump in and tag team on where I can help. Yeah. Okay. Do so you ever not work on yeah. something like... Uh... Does one of you ever not work on something and when a project comes in? We do divide and conquer a lot, mainly because we, like we, we can butt heads a lot if we're trying to like purely collaborate yeah. like normal people would. So what we'll usually do is someone will be kind of like the leader on a, any given project. But we right. always collaborate on sketches and then there's always critiquing sessions, of course, because it, it just will make things better 100 percent. Yeah. But like in between those things, like one person has the ownership and the responsibility to mm-hmm. like get it done, you know, right. which is good when it comes to like most of the problem comes if we truly collaborate it's like i thought you were doing that well i thought you were doing that well you do that instead of it's just like someone just needs to like take ownership uh and then the other person just adds insight you know um when we get stuck in the weeds or whatever for sure um and then we also have you know a slack channel and and text threads with friends to also add even more external Mm. like help and stuff because you just can't get enough eyes on the job especially when you're trying to work fast and you don't have a big team right and you're small like is it for people at the yeah, studio? Yeah, four of us, yeah. Yeah, yeah so super tiny. It is a... Uh, and it's funny, every time ahead. we work with large companies, they're always like, all right, let's schedule some meetings. Damn, they want to do so many meetings. Oh and we're goodness. so used to... Like, we never meet. No, we don't do any meetings. I usually just yell at you. I'm like, hey! Everything is email. And luckily, we yeah. all enjoy communicating that way. Like, I haven't spoken to Arturo right. face-to-face in years. <laughs> and he's our... He's like a key member of the team, but we just email everything. He loves email. I love email. And we, we all work remote. remote. Yeah, we've yeah. worked remote for almost, like, six years. You know, we yeah. only had an office early on. So, um, we've always... And like, it was we, a home office. Yeah. Yeah. And that's part of the reason we went out on our own is we hated the studio, like going Mm -hmm. into the office at a set time, leaving at a set time. So we're all in this because we like that freedom and yet we still have to get things done. So we do have, you know, agreed upon deadlines and stuff, but we're just really good at managing things around like Trello boards and uh, email. And then we're all just like good with schedules. So Mm. how do you uh, separate then like the studio and the house or whatever, if everything's set up in here. Oh your man, home. that is so hard. And I think everyone's experienced that this mm-hmm. year, this last year with like work from For home. Sure. But it's like, I just want to see a different room, you know, like I just want to see any other room. It's like it used to be so exciting to go to the grocery store, you know, because it's just like, yay, or or to the beach, you know. But now, I mean, luckily now we get to go out a little bit more. But um, but yeah, I think it's the key is like Jen has to remind me more than more than I feel like you're pretty good about your boundaries. But for Mm -hmm. me, she's always like, I'm off the clock. I'm not talking about work anymore. So you can just like check back with me tomorrow morning (laughs) at 9 a.m. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. But we do we do have our like luckily in our place, we have like an extra bonus room. And it's oddly it's detached from the house. So we have to leave to go to it, which is kind of nice because then it's like we have to lock it up at the end of the night and then go back, you know, to them to the main house or whatever. So So the yeah, so the work from home office does feel more like a separate like space it's luckily it's not like just like me getting up from my bed and going to a desk in my bedroom <laughs> although you know? when right. we first started hutzpah that was very much what it was yeah. it was like my my bed my my desk and then amy down the hall in the, the apartment we were renting her her bed and her desk and us just yelling, yelling down other. the hallways yeah. Yeah. Jen, i sent you an email right. yeah my old apartment like right after college it was like pretty much you you spin your chair around and you can just fall into the bed, you know, and then you <laughs> yeah. just wake up and turn totally. back around. We've all been there. Yeah. Yeah. That's good I, that I, you I have did. the separation. I've been reading this uh, book called like deep work and it's all about mm. like 
how a lot of work in people's work days, like shallow, like responding to emails and getting interrupted and all this stuff. But they were saying like some of the most uh, like influential people and successful people, they all had a separate area. Even if it was in their house, they'd have it detached from whatever their home life was. Dude, that's that's so that that's so it, because even like in my office area, I have it where it's like right next to my living room. But it's like there's enough of a corridor and I hung up beads and like, Mm -hmm. you know, like I'm really trying to like separate it out as a place that I can leave and feel like, ah, like I got out of there, you know. So I think that is like even if it's a placebo effect, like just trying to create some sort of like boundaries, Mm -hmm. you know, bookshelves, whatever you got to do, curtains, you know. Right. Also, I feel like so many people have like, especially designers, like this, a lot of young designers I talk to, we get into this habit of like, we just kind of work forever. Like there's no real like nine to five or whatever. But then I kind of realized like, if you can't get the work done in those times that you set, then you're probably doing something like inefficient or wrong. You're not supposed to right. be having to work all day, 12 to 12 or whatever. Oh my gosh, this is such a good test because I started thinking that too. I'm like, gosh, I didn't get anything done on my list. Like for a while there, I was feeling like I just wasn't getting anything mm-hmm. done. And I'm like, what am I spending my time on? So I started time tracking again, which we used to do when we first started our company, just to like right. figure out how to quote responsibly and make sure we were spending our time wisely. And it's funny how as you like kind of get out of that habit and you're like, I'm great at what I do. I'm fast. Mm -hmm. I work fast, you know, and then you realize like I was opening Instagram like every 30 minutes Mm -hmm. and just like, you know, and then having to like re, uh, you know, go back and get back on that task or like Mm -hmm. even just answering emails as soon as they come in instead of like setting out kind of blocks of time when I try to answer emails. Like it was I was just wasting so much time, like switching tasks, checking Instagram, doing stupid stuff. And it was such an eye opener to like it sounds micromanagey, but to like blocking out my day and Jen, yeah, you do it you a different way to. than I do. Oh, you you really to, do, yeah. especially if you are working from home or if you work for yourself, because you don't have like a boss that's like hovering over you with like meetings and th- and setting up the schedule mm-hmm. for you. You have to do that. So right. now I I check my emails like twice a day and I have set times. I check it in the morning just to get any fires put out and like make sure clients know when to expect things so that they're not mm-hmm. like worried. And then I, I'll check it again, like around like one. But then I close it. And same right. with that's Instagram. Good. I yeah, I try to only like post like certain days and then you know, shut it down and just close, close the browsers, you know, or like, you know, put yeah. my phone away. So. In that same book, I was reading about this thing. It was a, uh, so a lot of people think that, yeah, if you get a message or get an email, even if you don't respond, like you just look at it, there's this thing that the scientists were calling like residue or whatever, like that's still oh, on yeah. your brain. Like you're still yeah. working on your still design project and you're thinking like, well, what am I going to tell this person in mm-hmm. four hours from now? And so even right. seeing it is like interrupts your like flow state and all that. Yeah, totally. Well, that's why so many people think, oh, I do my best work really early or really late. But it's because you feel the freedom of not yeah. being interrupted, beholden to get back to people yeah. or responsibility. So it's like if you set those blocks out in your normal work day like hopefully you would still be able to recreate that even though i know it's easier said than done but But um, you can and turn notifications off that is the best thing i ever did specifically my text notifications because that that is what really like Mm kind of gets you off track because it's like friends, clients, uh, everybody, you know. So I turned all my notifications off and then I set, set those blocks and it really does mimic the feeling of like, OK, this is my creative time. Nobody's able to yeah. bug me. And exactly. if the client can't, if you if like the three hours between those two email windows that you're checking, if, if something burns down within that window, like that was 
that was like a out of the blue mm-hmm. rare scenario. Most people will be fine with five hours oh, in between. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. they'll survive. They'll survive. There's nothing. It's not the end of the world if you don't get back to them within three to four hours. Like right. I always tell everybody, like I'll, I try to get back to people within 24 hours. You mm-hmm. can even put it in your email sig, you know, just right. so people know. We have this weird like agreement as society that like if you're not getting back to someone like it's rude or something or like you're Mm. expected to be at everyone's like instant like call which is like so not sustainable and absolutely crazy (gasps) like people wouldn't just expect to go to your house whenever they wanted and walk in start talking unless you you live in kentucky damn we went to visit my grandma (laughs) we went to visit my grandma and i swear we came in in our rental car and literally five people just stop by unannounced and we're like, uh, Ruth, who's here? I saw, I saw a strange car <laughs> I saw in your a strange yard. vehicle. And we're like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> but that's the South because everyone knows everyone. And everyone's so nosy. <laughs> but I feel like as, as like younger generations, like we, we value more of like our privacy again, oddly. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm saying we. Well, <laughs> anyways, I'm somewhat young. But it is interesting because... Um, Oh, shit. And just, well, setting up, like, letting people know, like, setting up boundaries, right? Well, like, we've never had our phone number on our website, on any business cards, anything. We've only Mm -hmm. ever given people our emails. And so people used to think it was weird when we were working with more traditional businesses. But I feel like it's becoming more, like, normal that people just don't want to talk on the phone at (laughs) all anymore. Yeah, calling's weird now. It feels like when when people call you, you're like, what's wrong? You know? (laughs) Right. Yeah, I know the panic. <laughs> totally. But that being said, I still like to do a kickoff call with our clients yeah. where we oh, do yeah. a, at least a video call because I want them to know that I'm for them. Yeah. And I feel like in mm-hmm. email, it can be really hard. You start to read between the lines because you don't have any social context for like, you know, voice modulation or facial cues. Mm-hmm. And so you're just like, do they hate me? They, they used yeah. a period. Do they hate me? You know? Yeah. So. For better or for worse, I feel like the call, you know, is half of my like pitch in terms of like it it could be a bad thing like oh my design work doesn't speak for itself but on the good side it means I'm able to I feel like I need to articulate like how why I'm the right person to work with them rather than if I just show them my work it's most people can all do similar things it's about like giving them your voice more oh 100 yeah I thought you were going to say I'm just going to say 100%. No, but it's true because it's like, at the end of the day, like I was just talking to my client. They were working with this printer. We had everything Mm -hmm. set up. All the packaging was ready to go to the printer. But this printer was just being really... just like not helpful, not, yeah. not, um, they kind of had an attitude almost. Mm. And it's like, this is, this is a crazy like time in the world. Like, don't you need work? Don't you want work? Like, why are you being kind of weird? You know? And then yeah. they were like, oh, that the quote they gave and they tried to raise it and doing all this weird stuff. So m- my friend was like, you know what? I found a different printer. Like it's a little bit more expensive, but they do, you know, better work. And mm-hmm. like, they've been they're just, their team is so helpful. And I, and I was like, he was like, it's worth it for a little bit more to get this like a better attitude. Yeah. So I feel like you're totally right. Your your um, personality and your way of working is like 50% of the cell, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I, I was wondering, speaking of like kind of how people work and things, what are some of the, you guys can answer this separately. I don't know if you'll think the same, but what are some of the benefits and challenges of working together as like family or for more as like sisters? Right. 
The, here's the drawback. Here's the drawback with anybody that you love. You would never treat a stranger the way that you ridicule and like treat the ones you love the most. It's crazy. The shit that you'll say to your loved ones, you would never say that to a stranger. It's so that's it's because you feel too comfortable. And so I think that's like Jen and I always have to remember that like within these walls of of this office, like we treat each other like coworkers. Like because it can quickly be like you never listen to me. Remember that time in seventh you grade. He's got the top of yeah. bed and it's all yeah. over again now. <laughs> so it's like really easy. And even when you work somewhere for a long time, there there's always like those, you know, um, employee kind of like tiffs or like mm. personalities that just don't blend, you know. And it's like learning how to like get over the little stuff that's just like differences of personality and like mm. learning that when we fight about like client work, it's because mm. we want it to be the best. So it's like right. trying not to take it personal and always just being like, listen, I really think that, you know, if we're going to, you know, if we're going to do the best job for this project, we need to consider this, you know. So I don't know. Just try not to try not to act like sisters at all. But in some ways, it's better because we can be brutally honest with that's each true. Other. And a lot yeah. of times when you're working with coworkers, you do kind of have that like tiptoe. You don't want to. Yeah, you don't want to hurt their feelings. And, um, you know, it's interesting uh, not to make this about Matt Damon, but <laughs> I was listening to an interview with him on. Oh, gosh. I guess it would have been Armchair Expert or something, the podcast. But he was talking about how him and Ben were working on a project. Ben, Ben first. Ben Affleck, people. everyone. You know, if you don't know oh, I'm talking about Matt and Ben, get out. Dax Shepard um, podcast, too. Is that what we're talking about? Dax Shepard, okay. yeah. Armchair Expert. Well, anyways, um, Matt Damon was talking about how Ben Affleck asked someone to watch the rough cut of his film and tell mm. him what he thought. Well, this person at, at the end of it was like, all right. I'm going to treat this like there's a body on the table and we're doctors. Okay. Mm. And they were like, oh, okay. You know? And so, and like, how do we save, how do we save this life? Like, don't (laughs) think of this as like just something fun that you want to do and like take it personal. Let's treat this like, this is not about us. We have to save the dying body on the (laughs) table. And I thought that was so fascinating because a lot of times we do treat things way too personal, but it's not always about us. And when people give us feedback, you know, you've got to, do you want this thing to live? Do you want it to be the best it can be? Then, you know, take some outside critique, you know, mm-hmm. it's so to hard tack sometimes. A story. Oh, yeah, no, it is. Oh, I was just going to say to tack a story on Jen's story <laughs> about another celebrity. Our sister is obsessed with um, what's his name? Jason Momoa. Uh, and okay. he keeps doing all these films. So she'll make us watch all these Jason Momoa movies. Well, he is like really got this loyal, like friend group, according to her. And mm-hmm. they all make movies together. And they're all only mediocre because I feel like when you work with friends, you're less likely to be like, who's the best like uh, who? Do, do you know what I mean? Oh, to be like, more critical. To be more critical of like that. That wasn't a good take. Do it again. You right. know what I mean? And it just kind of gets meh. So I feel like you do have to be open to feedback. The minute that you're like, oh, it's just like you know, it looks great. I don't want. It's my vision. You know, or right. you know, I don't want to be mean or I don't want to be rude. It can be can be like a slippery slope down a mediocrity. I don't know. Is that? Yeah, gosh, I get that. that. Especially harsh. with like the actor like analogies, is the people around them like. I don't know. I it seems like they just want they're like yes men, you know. They just want yeah. to, like they just want to be an extra in the next like Avengers, you know. So they're not going to yes, tell like, Aquaman yes, like, anything. Like, totally. They're like, you're, bro, this this script is awesome. Like, but I get a part, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, it's, yeah. I, I I always find that too. Like there's some people I know that are really good with it and there's other people that ask me and I tell them and I know that they just wanted me to say it was good. Yeah. They don't even want, totally. they just want like, uh, 
reassurance rather than feedback yeah you know and that's just yeah. like weird confirmation bias like type right thing. Mm-hmm. i've i got really bad about like because we were teaching class for a while so that we were supposed to be giving the students constant feedback so now mm-hmm. when my friends send me things i'll just start critiquing it i'm like i should start asking first like did you want yeah. my feedback or is this like ready to go and it, this is you're just sharing this as like a friend and I, and it's the like the client done. already posted it and they're sharing yeah, it with you right, you're like right. you're gonna keep that fought and they're just like yeah, what, yeah. what? I like so I, <laughs> our, I have this client that we pretty much grew up with in our businesses we started with them when they started their business mm-hmm. but it's been 10 years and I gifted them this sounds crazy and you should usually never do this but they've over the years have paid us so much money I gifted them a logo because I realized the one they had was just like it could have just it needed a few minute tweaks that would make it so much better but it kept the same spirit so and i was like you all probably won't even notice the difference that's the weird thing but i'll notice and it'll make it a lot better Mm -hmm. so i gifted it to them and they were like oh my gosh it looks so amazing it's just so unfortunate that we just paid 10 grand to get all the signage done (laughs) it's just one of those things but they repaid to do it because that's how much they like it looks better i know but i would never uh, recommend just gift gifting a a logo i did uh, what's it called it was it was like spec work, but it wasn't because it was for school. Like I did an independent study oh. project with like the branding professor at my school. And he said, all right, I want you to find like the worst logo in the city of Chico and, and redo their branding. So I nice. went to this coffee place. It was like Brave Coffee. And the logo was like pretty bad. And even like the non-design people were like, like it was one of those ones where everyone was kind of just like, I don't understand like the sh- right. like, why it was like a backwards B <laughs> and a backwards C, but the C was before the B. So it was like, no, brave coffee. It just oh, looked no. weird overall. <laughs> yeah. And I yeah, redid bad. it. And then I, we did the project and he was like, so did you pitch it to them? And I was like, no, I didn't know I was supposed to is it that like rude <laughs> yeah. or whatever. He was like, trust yeah. me, like the, everyone doesn't like this logo. And I go in there and they're just like, they were like really offended. <laughs> they were like, oh, yeah, we oh, love yeah, this always. logo. Like, uh, <laughs> our, uh, someone in their family like made it or always. something. Of course. And I was it's like, always oh, like a niece God. or nephew. A loved one who just the, passed or something. Oh, I made no. like a little brand guide and I just left it on like the counter. I was like, all right. Oh. <laughs> I just left. Your face is somewhere in a break room and it says banned for yeah, life. It says, Do not serve this man. No more flat whites for you. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I think, uh, yeah, people that just goes back to with like the feedback thing. People are so invested in their thing that it's hard to disconnect sometimes from being like, just yeah. it's not personal and right. it shouldn't be but personal. Some people can maybe shouldn't. just be mean, but it usually isn't. Yeah. 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 Well, that's why it's so important to have your personal time, which is easier said than done, especially when mm-hmm. you have like a family and kids. Um, I don't think either of us do. And so we kind of have a little bit more luxury. You were talking about the after hours. Those are the times that if you are working, that should be stuff that you can do for yourself, not client work. Mm-hmm. And that's where you have the the freedom to test new things and do stuff that most people don't like but you like and that's okay and like keep posting that and keep working on that on the side um you know but still accepting feedback but there is a place for doing something that's exactly what you want to do and that passion work can often lead to some like really interesting stuff that other people wouldn't have even known to ask for you know yeah it has for me like uh with clients but also with a few of the jobs that i've gotten hired at like uh, as an employee uh, when I got there, like when they were looking through my portfolio, I have one, like, it's not a project, but it's just a gallery of all the stuff that I just, I just call it like experimentation and it's all just Instagram, mm. like posters and whatnot. 
and they, like every time I go to interview, they're in there. They're like, what about this yeah. one? What about this one? Yeah. And I'm just like, so all these like case studies and shit, like don't even matter. Like they <laughs> right. just want to see like the posters. And I think it's because uh, there's a lot of people that don't do that. They only yeah. do work that someone makes them do or someone's paying yeah. them yeah. to do. And I feel like if you're not willing to do your own thing, then I don't know if you really like it enough to be doing it. As yeah. harsh as that sounds, it's kind of like... Shouldn't you want to do it for fun? That's why we all started doing this stuff. Right. Yeah. Or you just won't maybe fulfill like your full potential. You know, it's like right. the great part about this job is that it, it does pay well, considering that like the barrier for entry is like fairly low in, in you know, certain cases. Like mm-hmm. there's, you know, community college programs or like, um, you know, Skillshare options and things like that. Mm-hmm. But um, but I agree, like if you have to take your own personal time to try out the things that your clients would never let you try out, but, mm-hmm. you know, could be like a really cool style for you to own or something like mm-hmm. that, you know? Yeah. yeah, it can. But it's a difference between someone who probably ends up being more of a creative leader versus someone who maybe might end up being more like in a production, production style yeah. role, you know, which yeah. there's a the need yeah, for both, true. luckily. Yeah. But um, yeah. It is interesting, though, with design, because it's like if you're too good at ideas, you can easily get yourself placed into a position where you never design again. Right. Where you become the creative director Mm. who technically has all the power, but never (laughs) touches a computer. Right. Which I hated. And that's why I love having a small studio like we do, because you can be the creative director (laughs) and also like you're also the grunt working on it. But it gives you the power over both sides, which I love, you know. Yeah, being like a director, I've I had to art direct a kind of like campaign slash photo shoot thing for this uh, when I was working at uh, Art of Sport. It was like this uh, body care like athlete company, and I remember when I was organizing this stuff for my portfolio, I was asking people like, "How should I incorporate this?" And they were like, "What'd you do?" And I was like, "Oh, like art direction. Like I did the kind of helped with the set and set up all these different things and the packaging." But in my and when I laid it all out, I was like, oh, I actually did a lot. But in my head, I thought I didn't do anything because I wasn't the one photographing, you know, it is. And it's so funny because then you get to the point where there's so many like sometimes these large agencies who have a lot of people working on one project and then they all leave that agency and go somewhere else. But then like 20 people are claiming that they rebranded like, you know, Chase Bank or something. And you're like, no, but who did it? Like, I want to know who was each person and what were their roles. But that's not really always how it works. Like you said there's so many collaborative pieces that it's like each one of them can claim that because they all had that you know Mm -hmm. that team uh approach but you see that with album art it'll be a like when they're nice enough to tag like the people that were a part of it it'll say like you know team and it's just like this 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 it'll be like so specific it'll be like texture and it'll just be like some person that just like texturized the album oh, art or something oh, no or like vfx like painting photography and i'm like damn this is cool because you got credit but it's also makes you probably feel like what like no one knows what you did unless it's like <laughs> right. photography oh, that's is so obvious, funny but, yeah i don't know I, awesome. I, I think it's good though at least that a lot of times they don't even give people credit which is oh, it's crazy. Like yeah. annoying thing I think sometimes if you're at like an agency or something, that's kind of the, I guess if it, whether it's good or bad, that's kind of the price you pay for being involved Mm -hmm. with the whole thing is you don't get the individual like accolades. Correct. Right. But then when you leave, you get to say, I did that whole project in a vague sense that no one really understands. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's funny. Oh my gosh. Um, (laughs) How do you, uh, divide the work that comes in with your other employees now that you have four of you now 
Well, there's pretty defined roles because me and Amy almost always work on the initial uh, branding and creative. Mm-hmm. And then um, Arturo, who's Jimenez, who is an amazing designer, he really helps us build out systems once like uh, a lot of like the brand decisions are, are decided, you know. Mm-hmm. So once it comes to like, you know, applying that more across uh, the system. He does like illustration so, too, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's the one who has like the really attention to detail, which I'm lacking. So he's oh, like... Oh, he's great. Yeah. It's like so he's a precision. He's a precision. In a yes, great way. Yes, and then B, her role is more like uh, management and oh, like she does all the shop side stuff. So once mm-hmm. we launch the products, she helps manage all that side, and then she'll field all incoming emails and kind of like sort through things and then send us things that are relevant. So she's the one that was on like the live stuff with you, right? Yeah, yeah. and she helps okay. us do the live streams. And she's recently been learning design, so she sometimes helps with like production work, which is really fun. Yeah, oh, we're teaching cool. her the ropes are, on the you side. Keep yeah. it, uh, I think I read somewhere uh, that you keep it small like that for a reason, right? Like you probably can expand at times, but you'd rather not. Yeah, I mean, just for the reason we were just talking about, you know, we're kind of greedy and we love to do the work. We don't want to just be like saying you do the work. Mm -hmm. So um, I think for that reason, we like to stay small. Also, there's just like the freedom to be able to pivot so much easier. Like if we want to start focusing more on, you know, building out more typefaces and fonts, Mm -hmm. like we can do that like that. And we don't have to worry about like, oh, no, we need to have enough work for, you know, these three employees. Mm -hmm. So or, you know, if you're going really big, 15 to 20, you know, it's a full time job just keeping people in work and also hopefully work that they like to do. So right. when we're small, we're able to like cherry pick from what comes in. And then we just the other perk is we get to refer all this amazing work that we can't take on to our friends who are. Mm-hmm. And so we're still kind of like it's still a great system and, and everybody kind of gets what they want. <laughs> yeah, I heard you talking about that. I was listening to a little bit of the uh, thing you did for I think it was like Adobe. It was like with that Nick guy and uh, oh, someone else. Hours. I forgot his name. Oh, and, yeah, Office Hours. Yeah, uh, Andrew. Yeah. yeah. They, oh, okay, Andrew. And you were saying, uh, what was my, what were you talking about? I totally forgot. Oh, my staying small. Staying small. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, damn, I forgot trying to think of these people's <laughs> names. I did that earlier and lost my thread. Luckily, you started talking. I was I like, all right, yeah, she can pick it up. I know. That's so funny. Yeah. yeah. But, but we do. We like staying small. Oh, one thing, though, I wanted to I think it was because there was that I was watching because I wanted to make sure I didn't like completely say like, so how'd you get into design or whatever and like <laughs> ask all the same stuff. I was also rewatching the the nose nose thing that you did with Contino Contino and you guys were kind of talking about being like recognized and stuff. And I was wondering how like you and him and you said not as much. And he was like, oh, it's so cool. Like someone in New York will be like, that's John Contino or whatever. Yeah. And I was wondering kind of how do you guys feel about this idea of like designer, like celebrities and stuff like that? I was laughing so hard about it the other day because I was watching that Lula Rich documentary about Lula Rowe. Have you heard mm-hmm. of it? No, I have okay, not. I- Okay, well, you should check it out. It's it's honestly fascinating because it's a total pyramid scheme, multi-level oh, okay. marketing scheme yeah. that got completely out of hand. And it started in like 2016 and just like exploded to be like a $2 billion company yeah. in like a matter of years. Mm-hmm. And it was a total pyramid scheme. And they accidentally like, I don't even think they really meant to, but it just, they, it got so out of hand. But mm-hmm. watching these conferences they they put on for their teams, I was like, it was just like design conferences can be where it's mm-hmm. a little bit like um, 
I don't know. It's a little bit like they think they're celebrities, you know? Yeah. But not like anybody in the design world no, does. But no, no. I guess the whole thing is, is like it can be easy to buy into your yes. own importance when mm-hmm. it's such a small group. And so, you know, everyone's just aware of each other, you yeah. know? Yeah. So it's like, and yeah. of course, Contino is the top. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, he is one of the, I find like uh, he's an incredible yeah, designer. Him and like Jessica Hish and like Gail Anderson. There's a couple that are like, you know, the, the people Very that we all recognize too. And it just makes sense because yeah. it's like you go to conferences and you see them so much that you know right. they kind of become the celebrities of your world yeah. which is fun I, and I think it's good to have people to look up to and that who are willing to share yes. their experience like I think it's mm-hmm. amazing when I first got into design I used to be like who needs conferences like just do the work you know and right. then I went and I was like I'm so inspired like it was yeah. incredible it's cool to hear how other people got to level up in their career or, you know, learn a new skill or whatever. Like it's actually, they're really helpful, but there is just like with anything, there's like a a delicate balance of same with like what we were talking about with celebrities, like in any industry, it's easy to buy your own BS a little bit Mm -hmm. where it's like, I'm I'm the best. No one can tell me anything because I've I know everything that's the best. And it's like well, and I think right. never Con- stop Contino learning. would laugh too because he was cracking up when he found out that his name was on FamousBirthdays.com. Uh-huh. <laughs> right, and so it's like he knows that it's just like kind of his yeah. laughable. But it, you know, but with- I think the people who don't let it get to their head, like Contino and like Gail Anderson, like Gail Anderson, when we saw her at I think it was um, Dribble Hang Time in. Oh, no, it was at Creative South, I think. And Mm -hmm. she's like legendary designer who used to design for Rolling Stone and like all these legendary Rolling Stone covers. And everyone's coming up to her after Gail, Gail. Oh, my gosh. You know, you're the reason I wanted to get into editorial design. Do you want to come out and drink with us after? And she's like, no, I'm just going to go back to my room. Like she just was so chill. And she's like, I just want to watch TV and go to bed, you know, (laughs) like but props to her for not being like like on the shit. You know, It, it can be easy to like kind of. I don't know, get in your own head, but it's like, mm. don't, don't let it happen. Maybe it's just My like an echo chamber too. Like, uh, yeah. I think that they, maybe this design celebrity thing doesn't exist. It's just the people that I talk to talk about these people <laughs> that way. Cause I had on, like, I talked with Aaron Draplin on like one of my first podcast episodes, yeah. which was like, uh, kind of like bittersweet. Cause I, st- it was like, that's like, was like probably my holy grail. And I just got him like instantly. And I was surprised he even <laughs> wanted to do it. And then I was telling people that don't really care about like art or design or anything. And they were just like, who the fuck is that? Like, why are you so like, like, why are you so nervous to talk to this guy with this big right. ass beard? He just looks like a normal guy. And I was like, you guys don't right. get it. Like this guy I makes know. crazy But it is ass human logos. nature, isn't it? It's yeah. like human nature to... Well, I mean, and you can't help it because you look at like follower counts, you look at and just mm-hmm. from pure visibility standpoint, or just body of work. Yeah, he's at a lot of conferences and um, understandably because he's such an interesting and like a likable yeah. person because he's just so hilarious with it. So if you have a good like, you know, talk like you're going to be recognized and you're going to keep, you know, getting mm-hmm. more exposure. So you just become known. But um, it's just funny. That's like what Keith Richards from Rolling Stone says. Not everyone can live on Mount Olympus. Mount Olympus. <laughs> he's just talking about how it's like it takes a special kind to be yeah. a god <laughs> like all right cool. yeah. gosh, but it is funny like i don't know it, it's it's all we make these people into these things like they, that's you know. true also yeah. i feel like in my generation there's like the next wave of that and it's not as much a celebrity like conference and all this it's like an influencer with like social right. media and stuff like there's totally. some people that everyone knows even more than like you know 
Draplin or Gail and all that because they're only on Instagram. They never even went to school. They're just like self-taught right. designers. Yeah. This or whole they're like big new on t- wave. TikTok or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that's the. And then that person's just like a 22 year old like guy that's just like. <laughs> in their mind probably still like learning a lot you know and all these people are like this is my favorite designer or whatever which is crazy to think about it is fascinating it is wild that's like Cal Lauren what does she have like a million followers on YouTube like she's she's like beyond more well-known than probably some of the people we were just mentioning but uh, but that's kind of the that's the power of if you know how to use like social like the like youtube like how to make a video how to like if you and if you're willing to share your process like kel has those videos that like show her making a logo or a t-shirt from like start to finish like she's sharing something that used to be like a very you had to go to four-year college you had to like get the right job yeah Yeah. like there are things that used to not be like readily accessible so i think that there's something really cool about like the people who are sharing the and being transparent Mm -hmm. rising to the top i think that's pretty cool i think it's uh, a a lot of people i talk to that are uh anywhere from maybe 16 or 17 to like 26 maybe on like the higher end they all these people they know like uh cal and, and stuff they uh they really put a lot of weight on like the transparency and like not because yeah. like so many older design people were like very like gatekeepy and kind of just like yeah oh yeah i'm not even going to tell you what font this is because i <laughs> did this project or whatever and it, i right. feel like it made a lot of people have to go to the other extreme where it's like you can't ever have anything for yourself so i think we have to come somewhere maybe somewhere in the middle but you need both those contrasting voices to come with like it's like politics too kind of you know like you need both extremes to get people to somewhere in like a reasonable middle or whatever 100 percent. and that is like a lot of those like the people that have like stayed uh relevant from like maybe the previous generations are people like brian collins who shares so much about Mm -hmm. his like design thinking or like Draplin who is like almost will go on any podcast to help share his like advice and you know I do I think the people who are like who have good intentions are the ones who are sticking around as opposed to like when we first got into design uh, we were working at this magazine and um, we were a friend of ours was like you guys should go to some networking events and like meet some other people you Mm -hmm. know and we went to this like networking meetup and everybody was just like you said so gatekeeping and of course we were like 21 at the time and you know they were like maybe 45 and it just felt like you're trying to steal my clients like nobody wanted to, to be like no one wanted to be helpful at all and then i met some people on twitter and that were the exact opposite they were like mm-hmm. helpful they helped me figure out my rates they were like just really generous with info and those people have like just gone on to climb you know in their industries because they're you generous know, yeah. they're generous yeah with their information and their also, time they're not so i insecure think, about their yes. position and in, in whatever they're doing like if you're yeah. worried that some college student you're teaching is going to take your clients then you're not deserving <laughs> of the clients probably like that's weird <laughs> Why are you so yeah, scared? You know what's so funny? It's the perfect example is Billy Ray Cyrus, who was mildly known for <laughs> the one who don't break my heart, my achy breaking heart, <laughs> right, right. the line dancing hit of the nineties. But it's like that would have been the end of his career, but he saw a promise in, you know, someone else. Mm-hmm. And um well, not, not, that's right. And by showing interest and like giving of his, you know, not like he made Lil Nas. Lil Nas made himself. But I'm sure Lil right. Nas just brought him in. Exactly. But by just probably showing interest and being interested and not just being like oh this isn't my kind of music and when you're self-aware that it's kind of like funny that he's in there you know he's not like afraid to be like kind of the joke of it in a way 
Like he, right. he didn't take himself yes. so seriously to think like, no, this isn't how you do it. Like yeah. he just joined in on someone else who he could have easily felt threatened by. And that made him have a second career revival, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. or maybe a third if you count the second career revival just being living through his children. Just, yeah, just, just being Miles Cyrus' dad show. was his second. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because like, for him, you know, the, when that whole thing happened, uh, little Nas was like number one country and everyone was saying, uh, oh. That doesn't count or whatever. Yeah. And then he's like, all right, Billy Ray Cyrus, like remix. And then that one went to number one and they were like, well, fuck, I guess. Like, that's the beauty of it, though. I love that. So and it is people who are open minded and willing and excited about change, because guess what? Change is going to come. And if you Mm -hmm. what's that Bob Dylan song? Like, you know, don't stand in the doorway. Don't block the halls because you're going to be you're going to be the one that gets left behind if you're the one that's trying to like stop the progression of time and change. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know try to get excited about what's coming up and don't get threatened because yeah if you start to be insecure about it instead of like oh well, gosh this is an exciting new thing maybe i can like take a class maybe i can like you know make some friends who like are into this you know i don't know yeah yeah i think it's good because even if you don't even if like you do get something out of being like more negative or not changing I feel like it's not going to feel as rewarding as like even if you fail and you were like kind and you tried to help people and you did like just were a good person, which is sometimes like a rare concept to people. I feel like it's better in the long run. Like you'll feel even if you succeed being like shitty, it probably doesn't feel good when you're like about to die or when you're old or whatever. Right. There's a reason everyone hates people like Jeff Bezos and you know, right. you know what I mean though you know what I mean yeah. like it's like you don't it's yeah exactly mm-hmm. and I they're like uh, he gave a million and it's like point zero zero one of his I know, like, net worth I know. Or it's like me yeah, it's, it's like, like me not like giving anything like a fraction of a set right. yeah yeah it's it is crazy it's like yeah they think they want all that money and then it's like they're they're more miserable than than anybody yeah I love to and there's people I know that always like defend like these you know, ultra billionaires, like, and I'm just like, why, why do you care? Like, you don't even have, you're not going to ever make that much money probably. So why do you care how much tax like that, that bracket or whatever pays? And they're always looking at it like, well, in the future, I'm going to be like him. So I don't want that to happen to me. Like, you know? you got to gotta respect that person for thinking they're going to be a billionaire. Damn, yeah. that is dreaming big. They, they are not letting any kind of reality like <laughs> creep into their dreams. <laughs> right. Um. So good segue into like, some business stuff we have i have your book right here i bought it probably like a year ago or so i still use the bookmark but i had to get the the book off the shelf what was that like writing because i mean i do a lot of writing now with like design stuff and trying to write scripts and writing out ideas for internet stuff and youtube and whatnot but like writing a book, I don't think if I would ever be able to do that. What was that like as just like designers diving into book writing? Seems difficult. Yeah, well, I mean, it kind of just uh, came out of people just asking us the same questions over and over again, mm-hmm. you know, totally about how we started. And I, no, actually, we were invited to do a talk at uh, it was our first talk ever and at Creative South. And we were like, well, what are we going to talk about? We have nothing to say. We've never done one. And he said, well, just explain how you started your business. And we hadn't really mm-hmm. ever even thought about it retrospectively. And so by the time we had written down what we did and then like Googled what should have been done, <laughs> we had 60 pages of notes and we're like, we could never give this oh, as a damn. talk. Literally, people would just die 
die of boredom. And we gave some of it as a talk. And then the rest of it, we're like, well, let's package this and like edit it into something that we could put up on the site and it mm-hmm. will be helpful to someone, you know? Because we were um, getting so many emails of like, how'd you start your company? I love the kind of work you do. Like, how do I get into this? Just like every day, it felt like we were spending like a couple hours answering these emails. And we wanted to because people had helped us in the same way. So we were like, you know, trying to pay it back. But it was just taking so much time. So eventually we just, you know, got it up as a book. And then um, it wasn't really very well done. So then when it started gaining traction and we had done a little bit of um, like actual like teaching at the Laguna College of Art and Design mm-hmm. as well, we kind of used all of that and then like rewrote it and then actually officially released it and like marketed it. Because before we kind of just like hit it on this part of our site and hoped <laughs> no one would click on it. Because we were no so find out that we just had like, th- you know, figured this out along the way and hadn't been to school. And we were like sure that it was all wrong. We're like, this can't be right, right? (laughs) I mean, I don't don't know why. It's just like a stupid chip on your shoulder when you don't Mm -hmm. like graduate. the degree. Yeah, we didn't have the degree. So I think we had a a chip on our shoulder way too long. Like if anyone's out there saying, I'm not sure if I can do it, but you're already doing it, then you figured out how to do it, you know? So it's like, don't question yourself anymore. You're already there. So um, yeah, we just... If you're already writing blogs and scripts, it's like just treat that as each one could be a chapter. You yeah. Know? Even just taking your um, annotated like um, the scripts from re- recordings you've done on video and then like right. tr- turning those into right. you know text and then just maybe hiring an editor to help you clean it up. But Yeah, I always have this uh, problem where I think a lot of people have it, too, where. Once you start to know so much, you forget uh, like the things that you didn't know at one point. Yeah. So you think that everything is like obvious and then you just say so some true. throwaway thing sometime and someone's like, whoa, like I never even thought of that. Like how did, how would you learn that? And I'm just like, I have no idea. It's just in my brain somewhere. <laughs> like, right. That's 100% it though. Like when we had that, the first iteration of the book, which was just kind of like an online PDF mm-hmm. and a student had found it, downloaded it. His name was Ricardo Imperial and he went to Laguna College of Art and Design and he asked his the design chair there, Catherine Ure, if we could come and speak to the class. So he came and spoke. Oh, and then after cool. the talk, she was like, you guys know a lot. Would you like to teach the professional practices class? And we were like, it was like the most it was the most amazing confirmation that we really needed from like yeah. an outside source that like this is like this is a good way to do it. And, you know, we had our business mentors that like knew a ton, but they weren't in the design world. So we always mm-hmm. kind of assumed it might be a different thing. But um, but yeah, so then we started teaching there. And it, it is funny. It's just like takes one person that's kind of like outside your sphere to give you a little like you're doing OK. And then mm-hmm. it, sometimes that's all that you need to kind of like keep motoring on. Yeah. And you guys taught uh, <laughs> together like a just as dual like professors or whatever. Yeah. I felt so bad for our <laughs> students because we would trade off weeks. So I, I would be there one week, Jen would be there the next week, I'd be there the next week. These mm. poor students, like they were so confused, but it was so fun. I've never learned, like I've never learned more than from teaching because you know, you do videos, mm-hmm. like when you're about to explain something to someone else, it really, you have to think about what am I doing? Why am I doing it? And how do I explain it right. in a succinct way that this other person right. can understand? Mm-hmm. And it's not like you're learning it from scratch just to teach them. No. You're just quantifying what has been like a gut reaction until that point, you know? Right. It's like the explain uh, like I'm five thing. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And I realize if you can't explain it like you're five, then you don't know what you're talking about. Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not for everybody. It is interesting. Some people, 
have are like the most amazing designers and they they gut like gut instinct know exactly what to do but when it comes to like explaining it to someone else they're just not good at it i've been to so many talks to people that i love their work Mm -hmm. but the talk just wasn't interesting they didn't they've never really thought about what or why they're doing and and takeaways on how that could be helpful to somebody else and how they do what they do so it's definitely not for everyone yeah i've learned that doing the podcast like even just talking about these ideas and like more in the abstract, the the skill of the designer, or the popularity or the experience isn't parallel with like the best podcast episodes I've done. You know, it's true. It's, it's all yeah. about like some people like I think the reason they're so good is because they are like more antisocial because they're just in their little lab, like cooking up crazy ideas like 24 <laughs> seven. So you know? Yeah, it's totally. like how so many of the best actors are just blank slates oh when you like gosh. see interviews with them. You're like, oh, but they kind of have to be. They have <laughs> right. to fill themselves with other like people's like the lives method actors to the point. And stuff. Yeah, they probably it's like Killian Murphy or like Christian Bale. You watch them and it's like mm-hmm. watching cardboard. <laughs> yeah. it's like, like Daniel Day Lewis you know, and all that. Yeah, right. But you know, it's why they always say never date actors because it is true. They're just like they don't have a person. I shouldn't say this about every actor. Some actors are themselves. Like they kind of just right. play themselves. Right. But then a lot of actors like this is no disrespect. And I feel like I'm going to get a lot of hate mail for this. But I feel like Chris Evans is just like a, a blank slate. Like you cannot trust that man. Yeah. He doesn't have any personal views. I feel maybe he does. I don't know. Yeah. But like it's also Hollywood. Just, like they're so scared. They're just like every answer. Oh, I do is, feel bad for like, them. They're under know, a microscope. Yeah. They're like, they are. They're under what do you a lot think of about this? And they're kind of just like. I mean, you just got whatever way you look at it is all right with me. (laughs) That's like the answer. I I shouldn't talk shit on Chris Evans. I'm sure he's a lovely person. Yeah, he he actually watches this every week, so you better. Yeah, uh, he's actually a big fan. (laughs) This is his favorite show, so he's he's in the Patreon. So if you could just. Yeah, he's one of my angel investors, actually, in my entire (laughs) operation. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, A few more things I wanted to ask you before we let you go. talk to you about fonts uh what did i have oh i wanted to ask because i know you guys have done i think multiple times you worked with disney on like the luca and the was it the like fairy godmother or something like that yeah godmothered and then uh encanto which is coming out soon yeah right what was that what's that like did you work directly with them or was it through like a different bigger like project or how was that like whole process because that's one of the you know, you have like Disney and Nike and and a few others that's like up there. It is crazy. It's one of those projects where you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is yeah, happening. When I still it came can't believe in. It. Yeah, <laughs> it actually came in through a refer- referral too. So just power to like just oh, like awesome. treating the people you already know really well. Yes. Because 20th yeah. Century got bought by Disney, and so our connection at 20th referred us there. And mm. so, but it's just one of those things where it's like you build it up so much, you're so afraid that you're going to have to do everything differently, or like suddenly, like, do I know how to do this yeah. in the way that they expect me to? Right. Like, you always wonder if there's some magical way that other people are working. I don't know why every time a big company comes in we're always like are we ready the magic is they work 12 hour days i think (laughs) it probably (laughs) is but so because it was already um kind of covid era we were working remote and so we didn't go in or anything like that but um i think they kind of do work fairly siloed 
unless you're like actually working on the animation team and working as like the director or one of those <laughs> members. But like the marketing creative is kind of its whole other separate thing like right. that happens separate. And it's actually so separate that in a way that we were kind of surprised about, you know, it's it's just really interesting. So we work directly with the art directors um, who like do the whole marketing campaigns for a lot. Yeah. yeah. And so it was really cool to just like, I mean, they have a great vision for, you know, what they're you know wanting, but they also a lot of times you're working very early stage. Right. And so they can't show you that much because either it's not final or they're just right. there isn't, you know, you don't have clearance. Like everything is so secretive. You know, yeah. they have to make sure because Jen and I always laugh. But remember that year that like A Bug's Life and Ants came out or a be- it was oh, like yeah, yeah, basically yeah. like two identical movies and one by DreamWorks, yeah. one by Disney. And you just mm-hmm. know someone like breached an NDA. The, totally. Because their right. security system now is like, oh, I know. it's I've, like Fort Knox. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I, I worked because uh, I reason I asked is because your relationship with them seems a lot more direct because you guys are the agency. But when mm-hmm. I worked at this like big agency out here that did like key art and all that, we worked on something for like Disney adjacent. It was like Paramount maybe or whatever, or, like something mm-hmm. they oh, okay. own and they were in the in between of like buying it. And it was like crazy. Like we had like the secret to like the world, like every <laughs> Every draft yeah. had to be like shredded. We had different like tags to like yeah. get into the building. And I was like, geez, they just like, they don't mess around with this. No. Yeah. And it all goes back to a bug's life. No, I'm just saying yeah. that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but you're right. It was. That's probably the hardest thing about working on movie things is like sometimes you're working two years in advance. Not usually two, but maybe right. like one and a half. Sometimes I worked on two. that uh, free guy movie. Uh, oh, the, cool. And That's amazing. I, went, I haven't worked at the job I worked. That job I was working there like two years ago. And it, it, right. was, it barely it. came out. Like it's insane. Sometimes they don't even know how the movie's going to end when you're working on the movie title mm-hmm. treatment. And so you're kind of like, okay, but is it generally a happy ending? Like, <laughs> right. So you're giving, you're giving all these like, it, which is kind of fun. In fact, it made me really impressed with how many movies are made well. Because there are so many moving parts to making a movie right. and having it come out well. Mm-hmm. It's it's amazing that any of them are better than just mediocre because mm-hmm. there's so many people. Especially with like Disney Pixar. Oh. I mean, they're just like bangers every time. Every single almost, time. It's know? like a complete winner, you know? Yeah. So it, it was really impressive, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. But if it, there's any advice I could give, it's like whether you're working with Disney or like, you know, the coffee shop down the street, it's mm-hmm. usually if you have a good process already dialed, it's yeah. usually the exact same process. Don't like question right. everything, you know, it's <laughs> It's just the same thing, but just with someone who you're like that much more excited. You just have to sign 30 NDAs (laughs) (laughs) and then you have to shred and burn everything. Yeah, how they how they keep like you guys in check being like remote and like in a different city. You just have to sign a lot of stuff and and, and verify with them at the beginning that you have the safe, you have all the things. So they checked off with us that we had all those things. Yeah. Oh, and there's there's a ton. You have to like we had to get all sorts of systems in place. But um, but yeah, it was really fun. And our friend Nary Revis, he actually worked on Free Guy movie as well. But um, he works over there and he's like one of the um, gosh, he's vice president of like marketing something or other. Mm -hmm. But um, he just found us on Instagram like he just liked our work on Instagram and then was like oh I should like see if these girls yeah want to do some you know I think it was El Royale Bad Times at the El Royale was the first movie we worked on with him that was with the train one right or no it's a it's like Jeff Bridges and oh, at the, um, at the like casino it. thing right and it's like a yeah, murder yeah, type yeah. Like thing and the total murder mystery type yeah. deal and um but it was so cool and it really is that small of a world like just like you were saying earlier the design world is really small so right. it's like if you're posting work for fun 
And like, like you do, Jesse, like all your stuff is so fun on Instagram. Like, I love it. And Thank you. It, that shows through. That's the kind of stuff that gets you noticed, just like you said. And of course, you yeah. have to have the big clients under your belt or like some clients, real mm-hmm. world clients under your belt, just so they know, oh, this person is this, like going to get me work on time and they know how to work with clients, you know. So it's like right. a balance of both. Yeah. It's so you never know either. Like I always people uh, ask me about a lot of times, like getting clients and stuff and sometimes like there there is much as you can explain like I made a video recently like where I think are the best places I find clients but the some of the best stuff I've gotten there's no way I could have intentionally like made it happen like I worked (laughs) on this podcast uh, logo for like the biggest twitch streamer pretty much and the guy that's part of it his friend just hit me up on like discord saying like i saw your work in this random like design discord where you shared like your instagram post do you want to work on this and i was like what the hell like this is such a not place to find clients i thought it was just like isn't that random community and i could have never said like you want to get clients you go on discord and you share work with your friends you know that's like but right. it's true. That's how I we got to work on a podcast art for like Sophia Bush, her oh, yeah, podcast work cool. in progress. Yeah. And a couple others for uh, my friend Rob uh, Hollis. He has like a production company that produces all of those mm-hmm. like armchair expert and stuff like that. But it's like he just DM me on Instagram. Like, again, just like people always say, like, is social media worth it? And if you're running your own studio or trying to get free work freelance work on the side like it totally mm-hmm. is worth it and use the hashtags and don't be ashamed because it, right. it does that's work. probably what it boils down to it's like you're someone who seems like confident and like at least you're willing to like put yourself out there and that's the hardest part it's right. like whether it's discord you know wherever Reddit, yeah. wherever it is <laughs> like like just being willing to share because you just don't know who's watching you know right. and Reddit's people where are you always go watching want to not get confirmation bias <laughs> like there's so many over there. To shred. i'm just trying to think of something like really random that you yeah. would never like <laughs> like go out and set out to do right but. yeah social media is good unless it isn't you know as long as it's not <laughs> right now like as long as it's not the bulk of you're just doing it and the design right. is slacking as long as you're but sharing your work if it's already created and stuff like you don't yeah it'd be hard to argue that it's like too takes up too much time just to write a caption yeah. and and post it or whatever. And put it up there, yeah. Yeah. I know that is the problem. I feel like some people get so into it, they're like, my fans need to see something from me. It's like, you need to get some sleep. Like, you need yeah. the time, some time off. You need, like, you know, if you're just making it to get the likes, then, like, that's not necessarily the most healthy way. But, like you said, like, if you're making something because you're really, you're trying a new style or, mm-hmm. like, whatever it is, or it's something you're really passionate about, like, that that always comes back around. Yeah. Um, the last thing before we get out of here and go over to the patreon like q a thing i wanted to ask you is what's like the favorite project you've worked on at at this with you two at the studio oh i think for me it would definitely be all the disney stuff we've gotten to work on has been like Mm -hmm. so rewarding even though they haven't chosen ours in the end because it's a very collaborative process um it's not like uh, they're like this logo that you did is it like they hire every agency in hollywood it's insane (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That you're going up against like four other incredible people. So yeah. it's pretty rare that like, and I think they also still tweak in house, you know? So mm-hmm. it's like, but even so just being a part of something that's so big, that's like, then you get to watch it when it's over and you're like, I had a small part in that. That yeah. was really cool. Like that was really rewarding. But I think the biggest thing for me is like seeing other designers use our fonts is like the coolest mm-hmm. thing and being like, oh my gosh, like I never would have thought to use it that way. And they used it in right. a new and cool way. Like it's just so rewarding. And it's like exactly what I wanted 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, yeah, yeah. I'd have to say, yeah, the personal projects, they really do. Those are the ones that you really like when they take off. It's always exciting, you know, mm-hmm. like fonts, products, even like the course when people were yeah. receive oh, like yeah. that is so when cool. they're like, oh, my gosh, like I didn't think I could do freelance. And then I took the course, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. It's always rewarding. I always see but, you guys um, share like, oh, spotted like Santa Ana Sands or whatever. It's like, <laughs> right. And that must be like so cool because. It, they're not the client, you know, like they did that themselves and found it, but you're still like a part of it in a way. Totally. Yeah, it is. It's so cool. And yeah, it, yeah, it's super rewarding, especially cause like, I don't know, sharing things w- among your designer friends and like getting a sign off feels like, feels like really good for some reason. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's like, oh man, this other designer who I really like is like using these fonts. Like every yeah. time Josh Noom uses my fonts, I'm like, Josh Noom, he's so good. <laughs> yeah. That's dope. Yeah. And I think, uh, for you specifically, I always see people post about like the mug that you guys made, and I. Yeah, we made a mug that says uh, "Cooper Black" or "Helvetica in the Streets, Cooper Black in the Sheets," and yeah. we, I don't even know what it means to this day, but it just makes me laugh. We just cracked up when you said it one day, and we were like cracking up so hard, even though we didn't really understand why it was so yeah. funny. Like clearly, the ludicrous like link is just yeah, yeah, exactly. But right. yeah, it, it sells really well. I think that's why it's popular is because it's so like meta, like. Normal yeah, people so just look at it like, all right, they're like, like whatever, what? <laughs> whatever that yeah, means. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but other than that, I really appreciate you guys taking the time to chat with me, and it was awesome. Yeah, thanks for having us on. It was yeah, a blast. This is so fun. Yeah, and anywhere uh, Hoodspot Design, you can find their agency online, and Hoodspot Design is just the Instagram handle as well, right? Yeah, for almost pretty much everywhere everything. it's Hoodspot Design. If you search Hoodspot, it's just us and a Jewish rapper, so you'll you'll find us easy. Yeah, <laughs> okay. and on YouTube, it's just Hoodspot. Okay, yeah, and you, I see you guys are doing a little bit more on there too, right? With the live streams yeah. and the, I saw that one you did where it was like a tutorial, and you were at the pool. That was that was cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're, we're, it's just like an excuse to get like weird and fun with it. Have right. be creative in a different way. Okay, cool. Well, thank you again and go check them out, everyone. And check out the Patreon if you want to hear the questions that you, you all asked. And we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thanks, Jesse.